0: Hello, and welcome to the Candy Gibbs Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about upcoming events, this podcast, and for other resources, visit candygibbs.com. Something that I want you to just kind of be open to um, as we finish up this, this is going to be our last slide session like this together in the morning. We're just going to have a time of worship before you guys head out. But I feel like there's been a lot. I, I think I've learned a lot um, this weekend. I hope that you've learned something. But something that has become very clear to me is the power in your words the power in understanding who you are and what position you hold in the kingdom. And what the enemy does not want you to know is who you are in the position that you hold in the kingdom. So for you to be ignorant or for you to be afraid, those are the two biggest weapons that he has against you. And so tonight, my declaration to the enemy is we are not ignorant and we are not afraid. And you, the word tells us that you overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb, which is the final word of the cross and the word of your testimony, spoken, speaking out, the promises of God, speaking out scripture that is applicable in your life, using your sword, making a declaration of those verdicts that you take to the courtroom. And that isn't something that just happened today. That needs to become a practice in your life. Since I have been studying this, that is how I approach the Lord oftentimes in my prayer time is I envision myself coming into the courtroom with thanks and praise and presenting what is on my heart to the judge and receiving a verdict. And then I have to live like it. And the first step to it is out loud. So what I want you to be open to is throughout uh, the rest of our time tonight, if the Lord is putting on your heart um, at the end of this tonight, I want some of you who the lord will confirm this but i want you to consider sharing either what is the verdict that you got or what it's what did the lord speak to you that was meaningful to you that you are going to begin to declare when you leave here because the fact of the matter is we have talked about remembering reminding ourselves through communion and through our salvation experience and what the Lord did on the cross so that we have confidence to enter into the courtroom through thanksgiving and praise. And we have practiced praising and thanking the Lord and coming into the courtroom. And we have received some declarations. But what that means is when you walk out these doors, there is going to be a battle. Anytime that you have an experience with the Lord where you go away, it's like a mountaintop experience. I think sometimes we anticipate attack at a low time, like when things are difficult, when I'm in a struggle, we kind of anticipate that I'm going to feel maybe a little bit down, that the enemy's going to come against me. But have you learned to anticipate that after a mountaintop experience like this? Because you should. You should. Because when you go home and you're kind of on this high, it's kind of like Elijah when he defeated the prophets of Baal and called down fire from heaven. Do you know what the very next story is? Jezebel, one woman says, I'm going to kill you. And the man who defeated 800 and something prophets of Baal ran and hid in a cave from one woman that said, I'm going to kill you. And it's because he was exhausted. Mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And so I want you to leave here with anticipation that because you got a verdict, because the Lord spoke some things to you, there's probably going to be a battle. And I want to talk to you a little bit about how to prepare for that, okay? The first thing is that we have to trust that it's His strength One of my favorite songs right now, and I can't even remember which song it is, but I know the line. Um, We've seen this fight from the victory. So you got a victory today. So we've got to learn to anticipate the fight, but it is his strength that we trust. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. So that you can take your stand against the evil schemes of the devil. So that when the day of evil comes, does that say if the day of evil comes or when? When the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. That's in Ephesians chapter 6. Another thing that we have to remember is you are in a fight whether you want to fight or not. It's kind of like what we were talking about um, a little bit earlier during the question and answers. It's almost like you've heard people say things like about terrorists and people that hate, Christians hate Americans. If we just kind of leave them alone, they'll leave us alone, right? Only is that right? They don't leave you alone. The enemy is not going to leave you alone. You can't play nice with him. If we just don't mess with him, he won't mess with me. That is not true. When the day of evil comes, you will fight. You will take your stand. And in order to do that, we need to guard ourselves, cover ourselves with the full armor of Christ. 2 Timothy chapter 3:16 and 17 says all scripture is god-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness, that the servant of god may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That we may be thoroughly equipped for every good work, and that happens by the word. So what, I, I mean, it's been a lot, and I know it's a lot, but we learned what Jesus purchased for you. It's forgiveness of everything. It's healing. It's being called the bride of Christ. It's a robe of righteousness. It's open access to enter the courtroom with boldness at any time. It's the right to be called an officer of the court and to serve notice to fellow believers about what their rights as a child of God are. And then to receive a declaration like it said in Job and to take it with you and begin to declare that in your life. And now that the word of God has the ability to fully equip you so that you are thoroughly equipped for every good work that, oh, by the way, God even prepared the good works in advance for you to do. Not only that, but once we accept Jesus as our Savior and He is our covering and our righteousness, the Word also says that He will baptize you in His Spirit so that you will have power. That's also something different from when I get saved and the Holy Spirit lives in me. There's another example in Acts 19 that talks about a group of believers and Paul comes up on them and they are believers and they are doing God's work. And Paul says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we've not even heard that there's a Holy Spirit. And he said, into what then were you baptized? They said, into John's baptism, and Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord, and when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying, and there were about 12 men in all. So he has given us everything that we've described, and then when we ask him, he will baptize us in the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will come on you and give you power. So now I'm equipped by his word. I have salvation in Jesus. His spirit lives in me. I have full access to the throne room, the courtroom of God. I can call, I can receive declarations from the Lord and declare them in my life. I can serve notice to other believers and his spirit will come on me and give me power. And he has given me his full armor. So we need to get our armor on. And I want you to think a little bit about what that looks like. And this is also something that if you are going to put into practice, taking communion regularly, this can be with a Ritz cracker and whatever kind of juice you have in your refrigerator. But it is a symbol. It isn't that these things that we are taking are holy, but it is a way for us to remind ourselves, not just this weekend, Monday morning, He is the one who bore my sorrows. He has healed me. He has forgiven me. And I thank you, Jesus, for that. And if you are going to put that into practice, then when you finish taking that communion, I want you to spend some time out loud putting on the armor of God. And what your armor looks like is that you have a belt of truth. A belt is something that you put around your waist around the core of who you are. This is where your breathing comes from, in and out. It's what gives you balance. Your core protects your vital organs. That is where truth resides, around your waist. It will keep you balanced and grounded. And then you have a helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation covers your thoughts, and something that is interesting is and I always am thankful that the Lord does not let me forget what he saved me from. Because salvation is precious to me because I know what it cost him and I know what I did to need it. And so I cover my thoughts with the helmet of salvation. And then the word says that you have a breastplate of righteousness and it's not yours it's his. Jesus' righteousness covers my heart. So when the enemy would attack me in the place of my heart, the very essence of who I am, I am able to say, it is not my righteousness, but his. And your heart is protected. And then the word says that your feet are covered with the gospel of peace. What that means is that peace guides and directs which direction you will go. If you don't have peace, don't take a step. Peace governs your steps. The the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. My feet move when I feel peace. And then you have a shield of faith. Your shield is what protects you from the fiery darts of the enemy. And believe me, I mean we're saying this. You don't see them with your eyes; they are real. The enemy is shooting fiery darts at you. You better have a shield of faith that you can get in behind. The other thing that you need to remember about your shield of faith: Have you ever seen those old movies? The one that I can remember, I think, is called... Hmm, I won't remember. Shoot. But it was way back, way back, way back, and they would have fortified cities. And I have seen a scene in a movie where the warrior is out there fighting. Two guys are fighting. This guy gets taken down. So all of these other knights with shields, they run out there all together. And they are all under. When they put their shields together, it makes this huge covering that they can all fit under. And they get the wounded guy, and they pull him in, and they all have their shields around him. So if I know how to use my shield of faith, it not only protects me, but it protects my buddies. It protects the people that are around me. And when they drop their shield, I can take my faith and use it as a defense against them. And then the only weapon that you have is your sword. And this is God's word. And this is how Jesus, by the way, defeated Satan. You remember when Jesus was tempted for, for the 40 days in the wilderness and then Satan came to him and Satan made lots of accusations and attempts at Jesus and Jesus did not say a word to Satan that wasn't in the word. Even Jesus used the word of God to defeat his enemy. You are covered. You have everything you need. And it is his strength that we are fighting in. It's his verdict. It's his declaration. It's his salvation, his forgiveness. He's done everything. All you have to do is stay in close to him and take advantage of the things that he has provided for you in the battles that you face. One of the things that have happened in my life practically that really drove this point home, um, both of my sons were wrestlers. And Jake um, wrestled from the time he was four until he graduated high school. And all through high school, he wore the same shoes and the same knee pads and the same headgear. And it was so worn that his senior year, every single match, I had to sew those knee pads together and pray over them, please, Jesus, one more match. Let these nasty knee pads make it one more match. One of my favorite pictures of him was somewhere in his senior year, he has these knee pads with tape on them and stitched up. There's no covering at all. You can see the plastic. His shoes are taped on. We bought him a new pair of wrestling shoes for the state championship tournament because the bottoms of his shoes had literally busted through. However, the new shoes stayed in the box And he wore the old shoes with the bottoms taped on for the state championship match. And he won. (laughs) And we all fought that battle, let me tell you. But he trusted his gear. Because his gear had done its job. And that gear was basically a part of the wrestler. That is how your spiritual armor should be for you. It needs to be worn out because you need to be putting it on every day. It fits you perfectly and it is vital to you. If we weren't in a real battle, we would not need armor. So do not take it lightly. Every morning, it is your responsibility to take on the full armor of Christ, and yours is just your size. And the sword of the Spirit is a highly effective weapon, but you have to teach yourself how to use it. Strength is defined as the physical power to carry out demanding tasks, emotional toughness, the necessary qualities required to deal with stressful or painful situations, and a source of strength or support. Another definition of strength is the power to resist attack. Strengthen the feeble hands. Steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong and do not fear. Your God will come. 2 Corinthians 10.3 says this, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds and we demolish every argument and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. What that means in that scripture, to take captive, literally means to put it at the end of a spear or sword. Every thought that comes into my mind is put at the end of my sword, and it has to obey Christ. That's how I do battle in my thoughts. That's how I have intimacy with Jesus. When I start to feel forgotten, when I start to feel alone, I put those thoughts and those emotions at the tip of this sword And the way that I do that is I have to know what this says. And I have to say it out loud. Taking every thought captive. This has to be one of my most favorite scripture in the whole Bible. And it's in Judges 2 starting in verse 21. I will no longer drive out before them any of the nations that Joshua left when he died. So this is talking about when Moses was with the Israelites in the wilderness for 40 years, right? But the Lord told Moses, do you remember when they got to the promised land, they sent in the spies. And 10 of them came out and said, no way, there's giants there. We cannot take that land. Two of them came out and said, oh yeah, we can. Because God said, that's our land. And yes, we can take it. And that was Joshua and Caleb. And when that happened, the Lord said, None of this generation will enter the promised land except Joshua and Caleb. So, this scripture is saying when all of that generation, including Moses, died, Joshua took the people into the promised land, and there were lots of enemies to overcome, and Joshua fought lots of battles. And he overcame incredible enemies. So this scripture is saying, after that, I will no longer drive out before them any of the nations that Joshua left when he died. I will use them, these nations, to test Israel and see whether they will keep the way of the Lord and walk in it as their forefathers did. The Lord had allowed those nations to remain. He did not drive them out at once by giving them into the hands of Joshua. These are the nations the Lord left to test all those Israelites who had not experienced any of the wars in Canaan. He did this only to teach warfare to the descendants of the Israelites who had not had any previous battle experience. I love that you serve a God who could fight all of your battles and win. He could meet all of your needs, provide all of your desires. He could make every path smooth and easy for you, never allowing us to stumble or requiring us to break a sweat. He could do that, but he does not. Instead, he says things like, I did this only to teach you warfare to those of you who have no battle experience or things like my grace is sufficient for you and my power is made perfect when you are weak. I love that God lets you fight battles that he could win. Because he wants you to experience what it feels like, to believe what he said, to use the weapons that he's given you to use, to use the power that comes from his spirit, and to see you defeat enemies. He wants to see you take ground. So we have a verdict, we have the victory because he's fully prepared us for the fight. And now it's time to go and possess the land. Another story that's incredible is Caleb. So Joshua and Caleb were the two spies that got to go into the promised land. Joshua was the leader after Moses. But Caleb, he and Joshua were the only two that were allowed to go in and the word says, because of his faith, 45 years after he went in as a spy, came out saying, I believe God. We can do whatever God says we can do. 45 years later, he was 85. It was the first time that his feet would settle in the soil of the promised land. Joshua fourteen nine says, So on that day Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. When the Israelites finally went in to that promised land, Caleb was now an old man. He had stood on the promises of God for 45 years and he said, Give me the land because I I'm going to go and take that promise that the Lord gave to me. And he didn't just take any land. He took the land that still had some giants. And he said, I might be old, but my eyes are still good. My body's still strong. And I want that promise that the Lord gave to me. Sometimes it's good for you to step onto that land of your promise And to take a minute to survey it. Because once the Lord has given you a verdict and you fought a fight to take some ground and you step onto that ground, I want you to possess it fully. You need to walk out to the furthest boundary and you need to see what resources are there and what the land looks like. Because the Lord doesn't win battles just to say he won. He wins battles so that you can have ground and you can take it for his kingdom and then you can possess it and you can see it make a difference in your generation and in your lifetime. That's the intention. That you make a difference. You are not called to just take it in the teeth until Jesus takes you home someday. You are called to realize who you are in the kingdom. You are to take the ground that the Lord has laid out before you and possess it and leave a mark. But you're only going to do it if you fight battles. And you're only going to do it if you learn to use the word of your testimony. So I'm just going to say a prayer here for a minute, and I think Mal will come back up and just play for us. But if you feel like the Lord did something in you this weekend, and if you feel like part of taking that ground and possessing that land might begin with you using God's word, your word, the word of your testimony to make a declaration and declare over this room, this is what the Lord did for me this weekend. And when I leave here, I'm going to take this declaration out. And it's going to change me. It's going to change something for me. And I'm going to possess my land. If you want to begin by making a declaration, I just want you to come up here. You can share whatever the Lord puts on your heart to share. But we're going to take these verdicts and final decisions and decrees that the Lord has laid down for us this weekend. And it's not just going to end up as a page in your journal. But it is going to be literal ground taken for the kingdom. And I don't want you to take one step back. Don't you give the enemy back anything that the Lord has provided for you. Thanks for listening to the Candy Gibbs Podcast. For more information and other resources, visit candygibbs.com.